Are you ready to begin? I am. Hello, this is Sad Girl Syllabus, <laughs> a commentary on media through the ages. <laughs> Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. So cheery. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. Let's jump into the syllabus. So excited. Yeah. That's why I was so cheery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have we guests. Have, yeah, special episode. We have guests. It's not just Bethany and Mary. <laughs> talking to each other forever (laughs) we love we love having people we love having more sad girls Mm -hmm. yeah we're wrapping up or I guess it's an extra credit to our food and spirituality um season with another food food sad girl episode with guests the wonderful wonderful Jaya and Jesse Nicely of Compound Butter, which is um, a biennial food and art magazine, which if you haven't checked it out, is incredibly wonderful, incredibly beautiful. Um, Jaya is an art director and she's the art director of Compound Butter and illustrator. And Jesse is a food and a chef and a writer and an editor in chief. She's not a food. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> And they're here with us today to talk about food media, sad girl stuff. There's no better companion. There's mm-hmm. there's no better companion than food when you're sad. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like a nice a nice mac and cheese with like three different cheeses, some breadcrumbs. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, wait. I, I think that's, that's the first question. <laughs> what is the sad girl food of choice? Ooh. I think it depends on the the type of sadness. I think I probably have like a matrix of like <laughs> time, like time of day, type of sadness, type of uh, amount of effort I'm willing to put into something. Like that mac and cheese sounds good, but like, where do you, are you making that? I guess so. You'd have wow. to be like, you'd have to be like that's on effort. your journey. Yeah, that's like a manic sadness, right? <laughs> Yeah, manic pixie, sad girl <laughs> chef. Zoe is uh, Deschanel's got her ukulele making uh, <laughs> three cheese macaroni. <laughs> I feel like mine is like um, Doritos. Mm. Got salsa verde Doritos are uh, nice. pretty high up on the list for me. I think mine is like chocolate and candy, but my probably the saddest thing I do is. And I constantly have to like tell myself not to buy it when I'm walking down an aisle in the grocery store is getting a bag of Hershey's hugs, which are the milk chocolate and white chocolate swirled. I can go through a bag of those so easily. That's kind of like my sad, like whatever, I'm going to eat this whole bag meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Also like saddest food I've ever eaten versus sad. Yeah, that's true. Those are very different things. Wow. Yeah. Important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm pretty I, desperate. <laughs> I think of mine for like when I'm sad foods. It's an ice cream bar or ice cream sandwich. Or I don't know why, but like Marie Callender's chicken pot pies. Oh, really? wow. that's great. Yes. They yeah. take forever to make, mm-hmm. but don't you have a microwave? No. Whoa, that's like number one sad girl room. tool in my house. <laughs> I need a microwave. <laughs> 
but I still make it in the oven. I still yeah. don't microwave it. I don't know why mentally I'm like, it needs to be cooked in the oven yeah. like, to be oh. well done, but yeah, I don't have the, the capacity to plan that far in advance. Yeah, you still have to microwave it for like 10 minutes. So it's like <laughs> still not a fast process. <laughs> but yeah, no, those yeah. Are, that's a good one, Mary. That's very comforting. I don't want to cook when I'm sad, me personally. So it is like fast food, mm-hmm. like pre, you know, DiGiorno's pizza, yeah. like something that I can just like quickly yeah. make and mm-hmm. or buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I'm like in the depths of sadness, I don't want to cook and I'll just like get some like noodles and butter, mm-hmm. but I definitely, yeah. yeah. That's just comforting. plain ass pasta. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, when sometimes I just like need the, the steps and the methods of cooking. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I also don't have a microwave, Mary. I didn't know that you didn't either. God, you guys, we're living on the edge. The technology, they're getting smaller. So that like, you can't have some, I have one that's specifically like a little, it looks, people think it's like a TV or something. It looks like a little round white space age microwave that fits under our counter. It's like, or uh, cabinets. It's like perfect. Well, I was going to say, it's like, probably like they're probably getting smaller because like spaceships need them. Like rockets need (laughs) microwaves. (laughs) Uh, or they just know us sad millennials are being confined to smaller and smaller spaces. <laughs> yeah. They're not buying houses anymore. We need to improve the microwave technology. Uh, yeah. I'm just oh. waiting for the day when we hit like um, fifth element or back to the level oh, yeah. kind of like technology. Cause that yeah. would, that'd be it for me. I want to put like a little packet in a microwave and pull mm. out a whole pizza or like a turkey. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I, would- I feel like Sorry. <laughs> that would just up my sad meals really. <laughs> It'd be a lot. I'd eat a lot better when I was sad. <laughs> I feel like we're skewing towards a more dystopic of like Willy Wonka, where it's just like a piece of gum that has different flavors, like mm-hmm. a whole meal's flavors. I feel like yeah, that's where we're headed. I think you're right, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were talking about um, what is it the where you get um, the frozen fruit in a cup. <sighs> and it's like $20 yeah. yes. uh, daily harvest daily, daily harvest, harvest. Too, yeah y'all. yeah mm-hmm. I get those That's- ads nonstop. yeah I can't believe they're still around I kind of thought they would have crashed and burned by now but so I've seen an argument for those I have ADHD mm-hmm. and I'm on like a subreddit for women that have it specifically because we're usually diagnosed with different experience than men that have it and so it's always interesting to see when someone kind of starts a thread of being like, what's something that seems really stupid and maybe is kind of expensive, but like saves your so much time or just helps you. And like that one and the, and like blue apron and all of these kinds mm. of food prep things come up a lot mm-hmm. and it makes sense, but I just like, maybe it's because I am a chef, but I feel like I can't <laughs> like, <laughs> bring myself to do it because also I still feel like I wouldn't do it like I still think I would just be like I have these cups of frozen fruit in my thing I'm not gonna yeah I think it's like mine would go to waste yeah and they're so expensive I think yeah Yeah. it's the price that bothers me the most yeah Yeah. about it just how pricey it is yeah I would rather just have someone blend it for me in a store (laughs) at that point right yeah the price point is (laughs) yeah high enough that's true (laughs) And you're also like paying for um, 
you're paying for all the packaging and like that crazy like frozen gel oh yeah that keeps it fresh like that's what I feel like is covering the cost like and that also just like feels nasty I hate pouring that shit down my sink even though they're like this is totally safe for pipes I'm like is it I don't mm -mm." wait you pour it down your sink what is the the like gel pad this was in blue apron I think oh we're never Um, gonna get blue apron to sponsor the pot (laughs) (laughs) dare you talk about our gel like that for daily harvest (laughs) we could reach out to hello fresh I guess okay Uh. (laughs) the competitors (laughs) um but uh yeah like the the frozen stuff the packs that are frozen they feel like ice, they behave like ice, but then on the bag, it says like, you can let this thaw in your sink and then just cut it open and pour it down the sink. But they don't, I don't really know. They might disclose what, what substance is in there. I'm not sure. I didn't take the time to read, but I was just like, this feels gross and nasty. And that was, I was like, I I think all of my money is going towards this and not the ingredients. It's like we're- the 50s where they're like, oh, cigarettes are fine. And, you know, like we're all like learning. And then in the future, <laughs> like, I can't believe people put that down the sink. I know we're supposed to like trust science, but like sometimes I still don't. I don't know. Like, what is that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like you can tr- like science is such a is a procedure and it takes like years to figure it out. And it's like, don't trust technology, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> or anyone selling you anything. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. speaking of, I <laughs> <laughs> <Buy> compound butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, maybe we should talk a little bit more about the magazine and kind of how you both came to it. Um, I don't know if one wants to start or anything like that, but just, yeah, kind of your background and how you, you came to be in food media. Mm-hmm write about food, have other write about food, and also beautiful art of food, which is really cool that Compound Butter does. Um, okay, I'll start. Uh, <laughs> this is Jaya, by the way, and um, <laughs> just so people know whose voice is whose. We're doing really good hosting job. <laughs> no, no, that's on me to introduce myself. I just am yeah. always traumatized because we did a radio thing a long time ago and we were supposed to introduce ourselves and I totally blanked and never did. And Jesse had to do it for me. So now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like very much like I'm Jaya. But um, Jesse and I are cousins. And um, even though we were cousins, like our family kind of grew up far, we were like far away from each other. We were separated. So we didn't, we weren't really super close until our 20s. Um, and I was in art school at the time and Jesse was just back in the Bay area and you were a chef at four, five, oh, five then. Yeah, I was, I had just finished culinary school and started working full-time in a restaurant, um, a barbecue restaurant where I was like the pit master with, uh, and, uh, sous chef there. Yeah. And, um, like as we started hanging out more, we, both kind of realized that we were interested in each other's passions. Like Jesse didn't know too much about the art world and illustration and well, like, you know, not in depth, like I did, I was studying it and I didn't know that much about the food world at all. Like my, I just like you saying, calling us saying we're interested in each other's passions. (laughs) (laughs) We have a joke since we don't really look alike. We always wonder what people think since we have the same last name and we'll travel together a lot. 
for our yeah so they yeah they probably think we're a married couple or something especially if we're like in a single bed (laughs) hotels out for our like trade shows and stuff (laughs) anyways I'm sorry but uh but yeah so like um and this was also around the time of Lucky Peach Mm -hmm. and Jesse had copies of Lucky Peach and and showed me it and I was kind of blown away by that magazine because my perception of food magazines was really boring like (laughs) like I don't know you know just like straightforward shots of food and this is a recipe I had I I had no idea that it was anything about it and like people writing about food and Mm -hmm. and the um like the emotional aspect of it Mm -hmm. and also at that same time I was taking a food class at my college which was all about discovering like the emotional aspects of food and being creative mm. with food. And um, Jesse and I, I don't even know how we had always like talked about this, I guess, but I don't remember how it got brought up or who brought it up. I just remember that I was in um, Oaxaca for a trip with my culinary class. And I remember laying on the bed in the hotel with my little notebook, like FaceTiming you and writing out a list of names for our potential future food magazine. And I think like that, I mean, I think a part of Compound Butter was also born out of like our own frustration with our industries, right? Like I, I grew up obsessed with food and like very much into food media. I watched cooking shows with my mom when I was my whole life, you know, like grew up with Martin Yan, Jacques Pepin, Julia Childs, later moved on to a greats like Guy Fieri, like amazing stuff. <laughs> um, and so I always, I was always very keyed into that aspect of food of like kind of my own emotional connection to food and like interest in different food cultures. But going to culinary school, not it wasn't eye-opening. I already knew it was like that, but it was a very much like all my teachers were dudes. All the guys in the classes were, um, sexist and you know even the cool ones still were awful to work with a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and then getting out into the food industry working at this restaurant I just felt like I and the women that I saw around me were working so hard to get even like noticed and Lucky Peach was really cool. I loved everything that David Chang was doing at that point. Mind of a Chef was also really exciting to see like multimedia right. art and food, but it was still like, it's all men, you know? And it's like, what we get uh, told to like, get back into the kitchen, you know, or go make me a sandwich when it's a joke about a woman cooking or something, you know, domestically it's our space, but when it comes to anything professional or respectable, we're not in the picture. And Mm. I think for me, that was a really big frustration point. And I know that Jaya had similar experiences with the art industry and with illustration. And so we also kind of push forward in making this magazine as kind of like, no one can tell us what to do here or like tell us that we can't put something in here. We can't say something or have any control over it except for us. Um, And that was a kind of cool feeling. Yeah, we wanted to make something of our own that was like our own voices and championing championing who we wanted to talk about. Um, and uh, I had a, an assignment in, in one of my classes where I had to work on a semester long project and I could decide what it was. And I asked my teacher, even though it was a drawing class, I asked him if I could do a magazine with my cousin because we'd always wanted to start it. 
And he said, yeah. So like we had like a couple months to put the first issue together. And I also didn't know that much about design or even how to like lay out stuff really or make a magazine. So that was something that I wanted. I wanted to teach myself how to do it and how to like art direct. And basically the whole magazine has been this like big learning project for the both of us. And yeah, we're still figuring it out. 15, 16 <laughs> issues later. <laughs> yeah. So when was the first issue out? 2014. Wow. Yeah, December wow. 2014. Yeah. I remember I had it at my grad show when I when I graduated Art Center. Oh, amazing. That's mm -hmm. a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> You're almost, I mean, in a couple yeah. of years, a decade. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. That's Sometimes amazing. I'm working on it and I'm like, I'm I still can't believe we're doing this damn magazine. <laughs> <laughs> years later yeah why are we doing this to ourselves <laughs> yeah but you just can't stop mary yeah. and i get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we talked about earlier a yeah. bunch of creative masochists here <laughs> just gotta do it um <laughs> we can't you know can't stop i guess i'm like really curious how yeah so eight years in from that starting point, from that, like, really not finding anything like compound butter already out there, um, and dissatisfaction with the current spheres of work. I want to be like, how's, how have things changed? But I guess, <laughs> um, but how, um, I'm, I'm curious, like how you currently view both the magazine and where it's currently at. And then also, both of you are still actively working in those various fields. And like, is it, do you feel like it's still kind of the same? I just, for me, it's like, I feel like the last two years, food media did like a explosion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where there was a, a huge conversation um, of, of what food media should be like, what the restaurant industry should be like. Um, how things could change. I guess, so I guess I'm just kind of curious, like over the course of the years, do you, do you feel like there's been a change? Have you noticed anything? It's really broad. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of how I view the magazine, I do, I talk a lot of shit about it, but I still <laughs> love it. Like I still, I'm so grateful that we can do it. And I mean, it has brought so many like amazing people into our lives, Mary um, <laughs> and now Bethany, um, you know, like we, we have just such a great network and it is really fun to be able to like push yourself and try and new, do new things creatively every, you know, twice a year at this point. Um, I think it's like way better than it was when oh, we first yeah. put it's it so much better. The first issue, Jay and I wrote almost everything because, you know, wow. what were we going to get to write for us? I think in terms of um, food media, it's hard. It's a con. I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge industry in general. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like the way we talk about food or interact with food and other people is at the core of it. And that is something that is constantly changing. 
and evolving, but I think like it's getting better. I would for my, my own standpoint, you know, I feel like more people are getting to tell their own stories instead of having to like need a gatekeeper, you know, I mean, like Anthony Bourdain, I still think about a lot and all mm -hmm. of the things that he did for food media and people in food media. But I think a part of me still sometimes was frustrated that he needed to exist, you know, to get people to care or be interested in these things. So it's it's nice that there's more and more media touching on, you know, different cultures, different ethnicity countries of different food, like or food of different countries that I think before you would have had to have a like a white dude interested in it for it to be anywhere at all. <laughs> right. I think um, like halfway through us making the magazine around the time of our love issue uh, is when the New York Times did this big piece about independent food magazines and people taking charge of like what they what they want to see in food media. And I think that was like a turning point for me of realizing like how many food magazines and zines have been made in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And like we're also like around the same time that we were coming up with doing this magazine all these other people were feeling the same feelings as we were and starting stuff too. And I don't really know what was happening around that time, I guess, but it seemed like a lot of people were just dissatisfied and wanting to create their own things. And, and now, and it's kind of crazy to see now big brands and companies seeing that and making their own in-house mm -hmm. magazines that are basically like, mimicking kind of these food zines, independent food zines that people have made, but they're making it, um, you know, by this brand. And it's, it's just really interesting to see now, like companies trying to do that when, not that we were the ones that started it, but like recognizing <laughs> but, that that was a need. And of course yeah. they're trying to capitalize on it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that I, this is, I'm trying to, this is more of a comment, but I'm trying to formulate a question around it. Um, it what's interesting is that when you have like uh, widely available television networks, such as Food Network, um, you have people like our generation growing up watching people like Anthony Bourdain or watching cooking shows, watching Ina Garten and Nigella Lawson. Nigella is like my personal hero. Um, <laughs> I love her. Um, and uh, And so you have like, already you have pe people growing up with a certain level of like food media like mm. people oh people actually like care about the stories behind the food that they make which is interesting and then I think what was happening um a, like a, a sort of around social media when social media comes into um comes into being people are like first using it as a tool just to like connect with each other and and whatever but then you have um but then people like realize that, oh, the sort of the analog version of, of social media, like you can just sort of like publish whatever you want. The analog version is like zines and like your own sort of independent publishing, whatever. And then people realize like, oh, I can actually like broadcast, like I see who or what is missing from the conversation. And I, I see what is, what themes are missing from the conversation. And so now I can, ha I can like make my own sort of platform and, um, and, and sort of like, and if you want to publish a, a, um, hard copy of something like a tangible magazine or a zine or any book, 
like you have access to a market by by having access to social media things like that Mm -hmm. um and like the internet and just like getting your stuff out there and it's just like incredibly um it's it's empowering for people and people are sort of like and and independent creators are doing doing their own thing and inserting themselves and yeah it's it's true that now brands are sort of like trying to capture that energy and it's just like well you can't capture it and it's because you're like fundamentally not creative (laughs) it's also hilarious that like the new york times they're just like "Uh uh-oh like we better i don't know it's like this (laughs) legacy media outlet is like oh we better like throw these people a bone (laughs) so that they don't like take us over or something i don't know it's kind (laughs) of my cynical attitude do you think um if brands are latching onto it as like I don't know what, like a more authentic voice or the appearance of a more authentic. I think the appearance. Yeah. The appearance of like being more relatable, like wanting, they're always like wanting to work with local people whenever they do an issue about like, I've like been approached multiple times with different magazines of like, they want to do a Los Angeles issue. And they're like, we want to work with as many local people as possible and do this and do that. We want to like like be like give them as much creative freedom and stuff and it does feel like it's just their PR like they're trying to show that they're not a faceless corporation and that they um are cool you know real (laughs) whatever get it yeah Yeah, get it (laughs) yeah it is wild to think about like the yeah how much social media and the internet has just like kind of blown the lid off of food media too in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. like I remember finding like a food blog probably when I was in maybe like a senior in high school or freshman in college so maybe kind of late to the game even but that it was so cool <laughs> I you know like I always would buy food magazines and stuff but seeing people's like I was smitten kitchen was one of the ones and she's always yeah. been a great photographer you know and like the like stories about her family and her kids and like then these beautiful recipes it was like wow I can't believe that someone is taking the time to produce this much content just for like people to enjoy on the internet and it's you know become a thing for her obviously like it's her life and career but it was still just like it felt it feels I mean like our magazine or any you know small scale independent uh, podcast or (laughs) media project or anything is a labor of love you know and like yeah it is, you know, I think nowadays there's so much of it on the internet. It's really easy to scroll past something and be like, whatever, but it's like someone really poured a lot into this, you know, and is trying yeah. to share something about their thought with food. And I think that is, is a, like maybe the one good aspect of the internet. Everything else is, is bad. <laughs> it feels different now. It, it doesn't, it feels, dif- it feels different than when we first started the magazine or maybe even in the middle of our run to like, it's harder to get stuff seen it's harder there's just so much there's such a saturation of the market now yeah Yeah, for sure we still do it because we love it and we're still doing like we're keeping like our voice and our vision and stuff but like if we wanted to get noticed more we would have to do a lot of things different and really like do reels on instagram (laughs) all this stuff like we're just not gonna do and it's way more competitive I guess yeah. it would also depend on what our metric of success is, right? Mm. Because yeah. like you really don't make money in print. And that was something that I figured out to kind of once we started making the magazine, like I subs- I've subscribed to Bon Appetit forever. And then 
you know, it's like, they don't make money on the magazine. They make money on their digital verticals and like all of these other things. The magazine is just like a throwaway almost at this point to like keep people interested in the brand. And like, they produce great content, all the articles, like they have some really great people writing for them. I love Bon Appetit, but it is like, that is not, you know, magazines aren't really lucrative at this point. So I think that too, for us is like, if we ever truly wanted to be successful, we would have to create a media company. <laughs> we would have to be a media company that happens to make a magazine. You know? yeah. yeah. For financial success. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in our hearts, we're already <laughs> successful. <laughs> We've made it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. I don't know what's um, more or less nefarious. These sort of like big conglomerate brands that are like trying to replicate the creator uh, energy or the creator vibe, or if it's just like, like Instagram or, um, or any social media company that like capitalizes on like, okay, creators are like the essence of our stuff. We might as well charge them to get their posts seen. Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't know if it's the, yeah the LARP or the, or the charge that's worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Instagram is like in fury. <laughs> yeah. Really and tough. I feel like it also just destroys you know, because it's like, oh, this, I, I look at reels. I hate it, but I do. Like I look at reels all the time and, you know, I'll get one where it's like, this sound is trending now. So use it in your video or like, this is the thing now. So it's like everything becomes so formulaic to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like whatever the now what's trending right now is that like, I'm a small business owner, but I also have to be a content creator, like audio with like someone and their products really fast. But it's like the things that you have to do to stay visible, is also demoralizing. So like, I do dislike uh, corporations trying to be like uh, cute, fake indie stuff, but like uh, the Instagram, I think just because I interact with it so much, I Mm -hmm. hate it and I hate myself for being on it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, well, it requires you to be constantly promoting. Yeah, like you, you have to constantly be promoting or you, I guess what fall behind or, you know, like you lose whatever algorithm yeah. <laughs> ride you're on. It's, yeah. it's brutal. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, again, this is, I don't know if I am formulating a question around this or if this is more of just a comment, but oh, here she is. Uh, my cat. She's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, what's interesting um, it seems like, I think that food is going to be like the only thing that sort of saves us from this like descent into immaterial, like digital life, mm. because, because like, I was thinking about, um, magazines, like this whole idea of like, okay, like Bon Appetit really only just has the magazine sort of incidentally, um, to keep their, their brand alive. But like the other, the thing about magazines is like, if you read something, a really, really good feature or something in Bon Appetit mag. And even if, if I'm like sitting in a cafe and and actually like reading the thing in print, if I wanted to send it to Mary, then I would like, I mean, it's, I would send her the link. I would find it on their website and send her the link. And so that's why like media just goes toward digital because it's just like way more, it's, it's way easier to just like make it shareable. Um, but food, food is always going to be, to remain tactile. Food is like, food is forever. Like you, if you're going to share a meal with someone, 
like you're going to have to be in their presence and it's going to have to be like this, like tactile, like, you know, obviously people over the course of the pandemic, people have had meals over zoom with each other and things like that. But obviously it's not the same, but I think that it's, uh, it's just, it's just interesting. It's, um, it's sort of, it's very much a precious glue. I think that that's also why people are taking an interest in food and like, you know, there's, there's many different factors at play, um, trying to be more sustainable, trying to be more local. But I think that people are understand that like, it's truly like the heart of culture and like social culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I will never give up food for Soylent (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. anything like that. I mean, it's like, there are certainly people that are trying to push it that direction, but I think mm-hmm. that you're right. There'll be enough of a pushback that we'll, we'll never fully let it go. I think as long as, as long as we have access to, and the ability to produce food, people will want it. Yeah. I think there are like, there's a growing number of like younger uh, people that are promoting or making their Instagram presence, like all about cooking again and mm-hmm. like I think about like people like Bettina who is doing she has this Instagram account where she's posting food she makes and she does it for herself but she's like showing that like this is can just be for you and for fun and it doesn't have to be something that you make like your job or it doesn't have to be something that's annoying and hard and and I think that's important and like what we tried to do with the magazine too is show that like food can be more than just food or even if you say you're someone that doesn't care about food, like that's not always necessarily really true because there's so many meals and things that have affected us in our lives that if you really think about it, you're like, oh yeah, like that is like a core memory that I have mm-hmm. centered around a meal or a packet of crackers or like something. Sure. It relates to every facet of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this whole season, which was like food and spirituality, it, it was like, everything that you could ever think of was related to that topic (laughs) and that like you really can you know bring a group of people around a faith through food you know like Mm -hmm. there's so many elements of eating and eating together that solidify bonds Mm -hmm. um yeah I think that sorry were you nope jumped in there uh (laughs) um I think that there's like if, if humanity is like distinguishing factor or whatever, um, for the human condition is like being, is like being, being self-reflective and like conscious of your own, whatever that automatically like folds into a sociality, like everybody's social with each other and ritual is what comes out of that. And so, and so you have this thing like food, which is a consumption of, of sustenance and nutrition. That's something that is like, uh, universal amongst all living organisms, but then you marry that with something that is like uniquely human air quotes. Um, and, and so, and so that marries like this ritualization, ritualization like surrounds food and it, it really like captures something. Um, it captures something that's like distinctive about, about us. Yeah, we did a tradition issue and initially I was, like kind of hesitant about it because I was like, when I hear the word tradition, I just negatively think about things like attached to it. And like, Mm -hmm. I think it's like, I think of just so many traditions that are so dumb 
but because <laughs> they're a tradition, we have yeah. to do them through the years. And like how many people are forced and subjected to traditions that they don't want to do or rituals that they don't want to do, but because your dad likes this, you got to do it or something, you know, <laughs> like where it's like a family thing. And, but then Jesse was so much more positive about it and was like, and brought up a lot of, you know, of course, like there's so many great traditions and like, I consider myself like I consider like making my coffee in the morning a ritual and that's mm -hmm. something I really like and it like that is a it, it is a ritual like mm -hmm. having the actions of grinding the beans and pouring it and doing all that stuff is soothing and that's a small little thing but it is like your own little ritual and everything can kind of be defined that way yeah absolutely have you seen the meme that's like um it originated with Sai Swoon, who's an Instagram creator, but it's uh, it's a, the meme, the feminine urge to have breakfast for five hours. <laughs> oh, I've seen like the feminine urge ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I could just have every meal, it's if I could just spend all day eating. <laughs> yeah, just like one long luxurious meal, that would be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, there's this lot to be said about being able to share food with people and to like connect with them that way. I think also sometimes though, I guess maybe specifically when I'm thinking about spirituality and food, mm. I do go into like maybe the more negative of sometimes <laughs> thinking of food mm -hmm. as being a way of like wielding power or manipulation. I think about, you know, I got tricked into going to church because I was told we were getting McDonald's breakfast. Um, and that's the thing for a know. lot of kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, we did, but not till after. Um, <laughs> but it is like, there certainly are things about eating and food that can be, you know, not as, not as nice, I guess. Mm. Not as positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I feel like we talked a lot about diet culture as well. And it's like sort of a new spirituality. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever have to like deal with, I've never seen anything obviously from compound butter that at all <laughs> relates to a diet, <laughs> but like that kind of like wellness culture, which is really diet culture. I don't know. Does that ever come up for compound butter as like a, we've gotten submissions yeah. about that topic, but that's not really yeah. <laughs> yeah no I think it's I think it's too bad that like self-care the idea of self-care and wellness has been really co-opted into becoming yeah yeah basically secret diet culture because it's like mm -hmm. we have articles that I think would certainly fall under the umbrella of being about self-care wellness mm -hmm. with people mm -hmm. talking about their own kind of behaviors or not diets, but just things that they do for themselves, but we've never gotten into fully like, um, that, that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Jaya's mom did want us to do a, what was it? A healthy food issue one time? Yeah, I think she wanted us to do like, yeah, something like a healthy issue. I'm yeah. like, do a healthy issue. <laughs> no, <laughs> cause that even that, even the word healthy in regards to food is like, what does that mean? You know, like yeah. that's not, yeah that's loaded immediately. Yeah. Usually means restrictive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Someone else's perception of what you should be eating. Yeah. yeah. It's just and we have had like, uh, some, like we've had some people like message, like email us about not liking stuff that was in our article. If you were going to go there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go fully into it, but you know, just like saying, 
basically saying that we were promoting like diet culture and, oh. and, and that. And I mean, Jesse and I have talked at length about it, but we're like, no, we yeah, absolutely weren't. Yeah. This, this was, and also we don't try when we have people write for us, we don't try to compromise like their voice at all or what mm-hmm. they're like, this was this person's personal story. And yeah, the, whoever wrote the email would just really read a lot into it. That was crazy. Projection. <laughs> yeah. We were going through it. So. Yeah. It does feel like, at least from the outside, that there's like two poles of food media. And like one is like a pretty growing, like wellness diet culture kind of brand where they're talking about wellness, but they're also like basically telling you how to eat and what's good and what's bad. Um, and then maybe something that's a little bit more interested in actual food <laughs> and not restrictions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seems like really polarizing, I guess. I think it's, it's like, there's just so much that goes into food. Cause like you were saying earlier, it affects every aspect of your life. Right. And so there's just so many different ways that people will try to also exert control through food. And I feel like that's where a lot of like the diet and the wellness stuff comes in where it's like, you know, we're being told what we should look like. And so then that means we need to be told what we need to be eating and all of these different like trends and also wanting to be able to look to someone. Cause sometimes it's hard. I don't know what I want to eat every day, you know? And I just want to look at, see something and have someone tell me what I should do. So I think it's also really easy to fall into that trap of like, oh, I found this cool video of this thing that looks good. Maybe I want to try and make it. And then you're following this account. And the next thing you know, they're like, whatever their motives are or whatever they're, you know, you're following a like secret, super healthy diet person that is like affecting the way that you are thinking about and eating food. And it's like, it's a slippery slope. And I think that social media and yeah, that end of the spectrum, it's really easy to, to succumb to without realizing what's happening until you're, until you're in it. I've done it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes like in, with a lot of creators, and this is another unfortunate thing about like just brands capitalizing on this vibe of people wanting to independently make their own stuff. Um, I think what ends up happening is like creators will get really big and have these like amazing recipes. And then the supplement people will be like, mm. we'll just like throw money at them. And then you have them promoting these supplements and then it becomes, and that just like infects the whole narrative. Yes. Yeah. Or they're suddenly like cooking for a specific type of diet or like using these type of ingredients for X, Y, and Z reason. And it's like that when you really get down to it, like food chemistry and the way our body interacts with stuff is like, so I don't know. It's all based on our own body chemistry. It's all very like granular. And so having people to like trying to tout a lot of this stuff as like scientifically backed or whatever is also like you said earlier, Mm. you trust, trust the science. Don't trust people trying to sell you stuff. Right. Like it is, there's a lot of ways that things become like legitimized air quotes that aren't. (laughs) And especially when you have a company behind it, like a brand name of any kind, it's like, Oh, well, they can't sell it if it's not good for me or whatever. Right. But it's like, that's, we know that's not true too. So, yeah. Yeah. 
the dismal state uh jay and i always joke about like how long will it take us to get to like a really bummer topic (laughs) even on yeah we gone too far (laughs) yeah it it can it gets pretty real sometimes (laughs) this is us holding back (laughs) bring it out syllabus we can bring it out we can get as sad as we want as brokenhearted as we want yeah and then we'll just eat the sad foods I know mm-hmm. I haven't got, I've got a meal planned already. I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that today too. I was just like, I actually like marinated some chicken and vegetables earlier before this. And I was just like, I'm going to be so excited to eat this. Like, I don't know. There was just something about like making, putting your hands on the food, preparing it and like a ritual in itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. it just makes it so much better to to eat it afterwards. <laughs> That's so funny because I think I just posted a meme yesterday that was like, spend four hours making dinner and then immediately lose your appetite. I will <laughs> like spend so long being like, I want to eat this. I want to eat this. It'll take so long. And then I'll be like, I don't want to eat it anymore. <laughs> but then when it is like, when you do make it and you're like, yeah, I'm really excited to do this. It's a really, a very good feeling. You're right. Yeah. 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 It's good. <laughs> Um, that's also the issue with like the breadsticks at the dinner table or the in new mexico it's like free chips and salsa chips and salsa are free almost everywhere and you can really just like fill up i love a free pre-meal meal though yeah that's like a that's so clutch (laughs) but i have ruined a meal because i ate too many chips before i barely eat the meal (laughs) and you just have leftovers that's lunch for tomorrow true, sorted. True. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, what was it like being the pit master of a barbecue? Speaking of hot, yeah. and like getting sweaty. <laughs> it was fun. I I worked at the um at the farmers market for a long time for them first, like flipping burgers and frying eggs and stuff. Um, and then we finally opened the barbecue restaurant, and I had never worked in an environment like that before it was pretty wild um of just opening a restaurant and then also being a popular restaurant so we were just like jamming 24 7 but I when I got to be the pit master it was actually really nice because I would get to work at like five in the morning and there wouldn't be anyone else there until like eight you know so the first part of my day I got to spend alone like listening to whatever I wanted to and just kind of like poking meat you got to like <laughs> shake ribs to see how they're doing, poke briskets, see if it's finished, you know, put some, put some wood in. It was very like nice and quiet. And I just had my ritual, my opening ritual <laughs> of like, um, you know, making myself breakfast, getting certain meats on there. And it was, it was a hard job, you know, for a lot of reasons. It was physically demanding and also mm-hmm. just like schedule and life demanding, but it was, it was nice to be able to be so connected to something because I had to check on it all the time. You know, I was like constantly Mm. looking at this meat and being like, are you okay? Are you not? Are you ready? You know, (laughs) like it was (laughs) very, like, it felt very intimate in a lot of ways (laughs) of like cooking something that takes so long. So I really got to spend a lot of time with it, which was nice. Mm. That does. Yeah, that is. It was cool. That is really nice. (laughs) I would get so uh afraid though when the delivery guy came because I would forget what day they were coming sometimes and then it would just be 
you know, six o'clock in the morning and there's someone like opening the door to the restaurant <laughs> while I'm by myself. <laughs> I had a multiple like near heart attacks, but otherwise it was really nice and peaceful. <laughs> it's actually funny. Cause I feel like I love reading bakers or pastry chefs talk about their job and it's a very similar thing. And it's very ritualized of like, this is what I do in the morning. And like, this is exactly like how my day goes. And it has to be, of course. Um, but it's all about, yeah, that's like slow process. And you check on this, and you yeah. pull that out. It's also tactile, which is, mm-hmm. which is really nice. I thought about being a baker, but I was like, I can barely get out of bed at five. Like, there's no way I'm going to be somewhere at like two or three in the morning. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. That's also like one of the like stereotypical, like, I guess, like most desired jobs to have or like most romanticized, you know, like you watch any Lifetime movie or something or read a book and someone's a baker, like, like even to me, like, I know how much work and how like not romantic it really is to be in there so early and doing all that, but it's still like this idea of like, oh, you work at a bakery and it, it does, it's really appealing. Wait, what does in Moonstruck, is Nicolas Cage a baker? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that started something for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bakers uh, with one hand. Yes. In the, <laughs> in the like, and also, yeah, now that I think about it, definitely not a food safe setup with him and his like tank top with his chest hair and his hair so everywhere, just like hair. screaming while baking. But also, <laughs> like, don't tell Eric that my dream man. <laughs> There is something really hot about a guy in a kitchen or, or anyone in the kitchen, just like knowing what they're doing and yeah. like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And then you go work in a kitchen and all these, I was going to say, and then you're like, they're all horrible. <laughs> I know. And then you're like, Oh, <laughs> now we talk about it. Like anyone that's really good at something or really like cares yeah. about and is focused on something. It's like, Oh man, really attracts like really ups yeah. the ante. I <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, I love romance novels and mm-hmm. there is a thing of people who read uh, romance novels is crazy for the tropes, right? Competency boner is what they call it. <laughs> They're like, so if they have a character who is just like good at stuff, anything really, you're like, oh, now I get why she loves him. Oh, <laughs> he can do that. one thing, you know, and that's it. oh my god i mean i have had crushes ruined because they are not good at their jobs or weren't smart in school not they have to be smart but just like weren't (laughs) doing the work and stuff and i'm like i'm less attracted to you now yeah yeah Yeah. and And that's probably bad (laughs) well it's it's so funny that it's like a term like competency bonus (laughs) because it's just like what have we done as a society to like produce an excess amount of people who are incompetent and like, we know that that's like gross and disgusting. That's so funny. Competency so funny. Is it usually like in the books, Mary, is it usually um, like directed at like, do like, do women get the competency boners? Because yeah, dudes are incompetent. I think so. Yeah. Well, as I you know, it's, it's like both. It's like, as the reader, you're like, I love this character. Cause they're like, so good at things. Um, <laughs> But it does, it does seem to happen like where the male character is like, wow, she can do it. You know, like she just does all this stuff. Oh, 
I thought it would be like she falls in love with him because he can like do laundry or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's more recent. I think that's more a more recent trend. Okay, like the guys can always like do things, but you don't really see them do it. And the girl has often, especially like in a historical, the woman has to like prove themselves more. So you see them in whatever sphere, Mm. you know, because the chips are stacked against them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, we always got to do the work. Yeah. I feel like in real life though, and this is very bitter and sad, like <laughs> the opposite. Well, it's just like men see a woman that is like owning her life and doing stuff and they're like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, don't want that. <laughs> like, oh, she's a powerful woman that owns her own bakery. Uh, she won't have time for me. No, Jaya, she meets a prince and they fall in <laughs> love and move to um she, yeah, she gives up the bakery. Uh yeah, I think the, she becomes the royal baker or something like that. I've watched mm-hmm. the princess switch movies and she's a oh baker. yeah she's a baker how many that's are true, there i forgot that's how it works there's three and they're coming out with a fourth one wow uh, how many times can they switch well they, <laughs> they've thrown in a third <laughs> oh, oh i did know this i did know this <laughs> wait maybe they've made four mm, okay wait, no, so it's like four. three yeah it's like a thruple but yes triplets <laughs> <laughs> of like strangely related whatever her names are but like Vanessa Hudgens Vanessa Hudgens I do love though in like my parents really love Hallmark movies um so whenever I go to see them we're watching Hallmark channel and food in those movies is the funniest thing there's one called like a Christmas with a view I think where (laughs) my friend and I were talking about it um it's this woman who is I think she's like the bartender at a restaurant at a hotel and they bring in a new chef and the food styling is to the point where it's like, do you think the person who did this has ever eaten before? Like one <laughs> of the meals they put out is like a, un, like it's pale enough that it has to be raw, like frozen chicken cordon bleu garnished with slices of uh, uh, kiwi that still has the skin on it. What is that plate? Like you eat, everybody eats. Like, what is this? I just, I love, I love watching like food B-roll and styling in, in movies like that is always so entertaining. And food styling was not a thing I really knew about before compound butter and getting mm. more into the food world. And like, it's still a thing that a lot of people don't know about. Like my own parents are like, that's a job. And it's like, yeah, like you like you just you're gonna have someone else just smack some chicken and kiwi on a plate like get a food stylist in there who knows what they're doing and will prepare and make or like style a delicious meal like yeah yeah that movie they blow all their food styling budget on ornament shots Mm. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah I mean I love like yeah I love food styling and stuff too like I love the videos of like McDonald's food shoots and everything and like well, that one recently of like how they make um, the sandwiches. I never thought about this before, but like in a Subway ad or anything oh, where like yeah. the bouncy sandwich was like, everything's on like a string and they cut it and it's all dropping at the same time. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know why bouncing food is such a hallmark of like food advertising, but it sandwiches. does appeal to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bouncing sandwiches. Like, when did it happen? Like, why do we want to see food falling and bouncing and, and everything? There's something like about that. the inertia that is like bouncing yeah. in my mouth. Oh, it makes it yeah. juicier <laughs> or something like that. I think, I think it's like really sublimated repressed sexuality 
Like if you think about like boobs bouncing and stuff, like I think that it, and like, just like flopping organs. I don't know. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Now you cannot get a want the sandwich. Yeah. I mean, when I was a teenager, like the Carl's Jr. That was like coming into the right guys. That was a big thing. And like food was definitely associated with that. Yeah. It's funny though, because I feel like we don't fully ever cross into like the sexualization of food in that way. Like Carl's Jr. got pretty far, but yeah, instead we just have to have like a placeholder bouncing sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now for Pride, we have, you know, campaigns, (sighs) Burger King with like, are you a top or a bottom? And I saw the post oh on God, Twitter. Yeah. Today. I saw the Postmates one about bottom-friendly food. There, they have advertising for that out now. Wow. Mary knows we had a little yeah. conversation about that <laughs> earlier this week. Wow. But yeah, the ads are out there, and they have like a food oh scientist. And That's yeah. Funny. And Burger King, it's like the bottom end of the sa- of the sandwich is the bottoms. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's funny because, um, again, back to Jay and I having a weird relationship, she and my boyfriend and I, we all joke about being a thruple now. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about those. And Eric and I were immediately like, we would do the tops. We would get the top burger. And Jay was like, I get the bottom. <laughs> you assumed that I was the top. You're like, it's funny that we'd all get tops. And I was like, actually, I would get the bottom. Yeah, so that's why you balance us out. We need you as our third. <laughs> can't have three taps no that's too too much much. yeah (laughs) I mean in terms of though like um food and spirituality what are your thoughts I'm sorry if you've gotten into this already though in terms of it the more like sensual side of food in relation Mm -hmm. to that we wanted to get it more into that yeah I don't think that we did this season yet but no we sort of hinted at things like aphrodisiacs yeah Mm -hmm. and uh I think that there's like, well, this is also something that is so like sexuality and sensuality, like something that makes it so distinctly human is because there's an element of like animal and just like, mm-hmm. and just anything living, like just biology in general. Um, and yeah, I think that there's just something that's like two elements, like a, the perfect storm coming together of like, mm. of like ev- every living thing has to reproduce and goes through like a reproduction mode. And, mm. but then there's this, like the feedback and like the, the, the consciousness feedback that we get, um, uh, at, like that we have as humans. And so like that capacity to like bring, to like ritualize sex and like and the fact that there's different desires and like mimetic desires that like compound on each other and stuff and so and like food aids storytelling that was that that's my main point that was a roundabout way of saying that that like I think that food really and and I don't deny that there's like chemical like aphrodisiacs and stuff like chemical um stuff happening that makes you like more aroused or whatever but I think that there's like this element of um, like myth that goes, that's Mm. yeah. Allows them to play on each other. I was so eloquent. I was just thinking like, oh yeah, biologically it makes sense because everything is horny and hungry at some point. (laughs) 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 That drive us. Yeah. Yeah. You put it much, much better. Desire for food and a desire for sex. Yeah, yeah. Survive yeah. when easy. those two meet, things can definitely get get a little wild. 
Well, we have also talked about how like food, well, how they are conflated in like repression. Mm-hmm. So you repress diet to also repress like sexual urges for like a lot of different groups or like eat a certain way Mm -hmm. um, because you're afraid of too many sexual impulses or the incorrect sexual impulses or anything like that. Um, Yeah. So there's like also the reverse is like controlling your diet means you're controlling sensuality in some way. It also feels like you can control one in the idea that it will lead to the other, right? Of like dieting so you can be sexually attractive to whatever, mm-hmm. you right. know, thinking you're of right. control that as well. So limiting what you're eating because you need to be able to attract or maintain a partner with that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to come to terms with all of that stuff. And like, when I think about losing weight or eating better, this and that, it is like, unless I'm just really purely eating badly and need to eat better for my own health. Like I'm like, I feel like crap this week. Cause I've just had, you know, McDonald's all the time, but like most of the time when I'm thinking about losing weight in food and stuff, it is so tied into my physical appearance and what some man out there who possibly could be my boyfriend would want this nebulous man, this this like fit, like faceless man that represents all men that only want a skinny woman because no man would want any ounce of fat on your bones and stuff. And just like, I feel like I tie what to my eat, I tie what I eat to that so much more than what I actually want to eat or should not eat. And it's just all Mm -hmm. about yeah. Like being desired and what would be best. I even got to a point. I remember, I can't remember who it was in my family, but being like, I would, they thought I got too excited about, or was like too into eating too, or like the way I like being excited me like, oh, nom, 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 was like not attractive to a man. So I also at points was like, oh, I'm going to go on a date. I have to like be subdued about how I eat. So not even just like thinking about what I eat, but thinking about how I eat was mm-hmm. happening for like mm-hmm. uh, future maybe man, you know, instead of just being able to enjoy myself and my food <laughs> the way I wanted to. Yeah. I think that that is like, goes back to this idea of like how food and storytelling, that's like the toxic end of the spectrum, like food and storytelling go so hand in hand. Um, because like, when you think about over the course of human history, um, like women who were like in the time of, I don't know, the 17th century or whatever, 17th, 18th centuries, like women who were, who had meat on their bones, so to speak, it's like, was more attractive because that meant that they were rich and they could afford the food. And so it's just sort of like, um, there's, there's all sorts of, um, and this goes, goes into how like ritualization is used to control people and, um, and, and traditions, things like that. And, and just like the myth of the myth that you create, just, it so deeply influences, um, yeah, your relationship to food and like, mm. and how you should, how you should look and, and, yeah. um, yeah. And it feels like the narrative changes so quickly these days, right. Where it's like, totally back in the day, maybe you would have one generation or at least a couple, you know, maybe like a decade with an idea of what you should or shouldn't be doing with like a certain food myth. But now it's like, at all times, it is something different depending on where you look. And it is crazy. You know, like, I don't even know if I should eat, like, are eggs good for you or bad for you today? I don't know. Like, I don't know. And it's, <laughs> it's also constant. like, 
And it's also these like constant messages of like, lose weight, be more attractive, love yourself. Like <laughs> you're beautiful, <laughs> you curves, own it. And just like constantly going back and forth and back yeah. and forth and like feeling bad for doing one or the other or not and stuff. It's really hard. Do you think that kind of stuff like diminishes or, or is detrimental to our relationship to food? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I have a, um, despite how much I like love food and I'm involved in food and do stuff around food, I think I have a pretty negative relationship with food and I've always probably been that way, but I've been more like recognizing it more as I've gotten older being like this thing that I like love and love to share with other people also is not like is a not a good thing all the time you know it's not mm-hmm. a good relationship in a lot of ways I think there's I a- think I oh, oh sorry sorry I was gonna say I think I want to love food more but also like I have a tough relationship where like my stomach can't handle food Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of food and like it's really is like really sensitive and affected so then like that does force me to think about food very differently and we have an article about that in our upcoming issue and she also Mm kind of I didn't write it but um, a writer was going through the same thing and just like it really just if you can't eat certain food or like anyone who has like an allergy or a sensitivity or anything like it really affects your whole life and yeah. how you view food and yourself and everything, how you go out. I'm going to go out to dinner with a friend, like look at this restaurant's menu, make sure they have this, this, mm-hmm. and this, or make sure I'm, you know, close enough to a bathroom and all this stuff. Like it, it, it is kind of a bummer yeah. and it takes away the fun sometimes. Yeah. I feel like the wellness um, and diet aspect to food media has done that to a lot of people. You may not even have an allergy or anything, but there's these ingredients and like things that are constantly getting demonized of like, you shouldn't eat this because it's bad. You shouldn't eat this because it'll hurt you. So it's like, that also leads to this level. I think for some people like paranoia and fear when it Mm. comes to food and like, that was other circling way back. That was another thing for why we started compound butter, because Mm. I think it was like there for a long time in food media, there was this level of like elitism and inaccessibility that I really didn't personally didn't like, you know, and like it, cause at the end of the day, it's like, we have to eat. It should be something we can just enjoy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you should just be able to eat in peace. And like that to me was sort of something I hope that we'd be able to help guide the people towards at all with the magazine of kind of being able to have a more I don't know, peaceful relationship with food, either through expressing their own stories or kind of reading other people's stories and be able to see themselves in these things. Cause it's like, Hmm. I don't, I don't know if I know anyone who has like a fully healthy relationship with food. I don't even know what that would mean at this point, you know, (laughs) like I know people who eat healthy, but not but even for healthy too, reasons yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Too healthy in itself like you see people that eat too healthy and it's like that feels unhealthy the amount like the restriction are, yeah the and dedicated to this and feel bad if you have just a little bit like that's not healthy either yeah and mm-hmm. it, it can take over your life too just yeah, like the amount of time you have to neurotic. think about it yeah. yeah yeah I'll get obsessed with food and I, that's like when I get I'll have like spirals of just being like I shouldn't be eating this or I should eat this or I should, you know, and it's just like hours spent, like thinking about what I should be eating or shouldn't be eating or like trying to plan out my day around a meal or something. And it's like, this has taken 
all of the joy out of this experience. Now I'm just like upset and stressed out. And it's like that, it shouldn't be that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's like, a, um, I think that, that a major culprit of all of this too is just like the amount of like, I mean, this has been sort of the running joke on this season of the pod, but, <laughs> but like microplastics. <laughs> But, and microplastics, I use that term super broadly, like not only is, yes, there are microplastics in in the soil, but, but also like this, like just, it's such, it's so poisoned having, having food being like manufactured, like literally manufactured elsewhere is just like totally, that is not good for you. And then how are you supposed to have a good relationship with food? If like you eat this stuff and you have like a belly full of poison, like, you don't feel good after you eat that. And so then it doesn't, it like the, the satisfaction of food, which I think is really important. Like not only do you need the nourishment, obviously, but you need the satisfaction because you have a desire, you have a craving. And so that is like, that really sucks. Uh, and I, I sent this, this article to Mary a couple days ago. Um, it's an article in Palladium that was like, it was what was the headline it was something like total clickbait but it was actually really really good it was like modern diet is a biosecurity threat (laughs) and it's basically (laughs) saying that like um like completely americanized food like ruined indigenous cultures indigenous Mm -hmm. populations for a long time like totally ruined like like diets really like colonization diets like decimated populations things like that and like we have more cavities now because of like processed food. So I think that there's, yeah, that's such, that's also such a huge, a huge culprit. And it's why toxic food media can control us and, and um, like wellness experts, air quotes, um, can, can control us so easily. It's because like they have, they can sort of act like saviors Mm. and say like, oh, this supplement will help you. And like, you should do this diet and stuff. And it's just like, nothing is going to save, like, there's, there's a point to at which nothing will save you because it's just like, uh, like, unless you have, you can like, and that's also, sorry, I'm rambling, but like, that's also why, like, I feel like the local, the local thing has really blown mm-hmm. up because people realize like, oh, if I can, if I can like talk to my farmer, that was like one of the most profound things when I moved to New Mexico, back to New Mexico, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm like talking to these, to these people who have like grown the food. I feel great after eating the food because it's like coming from good, like good, rich soil and like talking to my egg guy about like what all black chickens are laying my eggs. And I'm like, great. I can have goth eggs now. Um, and (laughs) like, I think that that is also like, that has vastly improved, um, because I, I like feel way more directly connected to it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was such yeah. a long-winded thing. <laughs> no, I mean, it's interesting because it's like thinking about that too and just like the effect it has on us, you know, and also just on the environment and also our own like stability in terms of food production. I mean, like yeah. the American diet is so bad for us. It's so bad for the environment and it's precarious. I mean, like we mm-hmm. rely on a very specific uh, agricultural system that could collapse because of like you get into like monoculture and all of that kind of stuff too where we just use like such specific varieties and ingredients that it's like it feels I think I grew up in Berkeley and I always was like oh hippy dippy like that's whatever that's silly like but now you know I love going to the farmer's market and it is so important to have those connections and to be 
moving towards smaller production and smaller food systems because yeah one you're not poisoning yourself and two it feels like you're kind of taking back control to yeah. a degree mm-hmm. right like because yeah you have if you're so reliant on this diet you can see that it just destroys people's bodies like it just it's mm-hmm. not like a good or healthy way to eat but it is hard to empower like we're lucky that we have that kind of access yeah right? yeah like there's so we'll many see. people that don't have that and that's mm-hmm. another form of control you know yeah. of like being cutting people off from that nourishment and health and keeping them reliant on the system it feels you know colonization all of that kind of thing I think about even like when I was in Catholic school and they would make us watch movies about missionaries and there would always be scenes of like them teaching the people how to farm and how mm. to do this stuff and it's like what what they've been doing for however many years before they showed up they had <laughs> that was working you know and now yeah. you're in here telling them to, you know and it's just like <laughs> i um i'll make this story quick but um i have a coworker who um is a historian and or works a lot anyway uh in history and archaeology and she has this hypothesis this is not confirmed for the listeners this is not confirmed this is a hypothesis this isn't even a theory um she basically like there are these uh indigenous ruins called Chaco Canyon in northern New Mexico and um it was this like extremely advanced civilization um that just was suddenly wiped out um fairly suddenly uh and we know that they had contact with the Spanish um and the Spanish, particularly the Spanish priests were the ones who like had infiltrated their, like as missionaries, my coworkers hypothesis is that the priests like didn't really understand the food system in the desert or, or not even in the desert because Southern Spain was, was a desert climate, but, um, like didn't understand how the native Americans were sustaining themselves. And so like, just they, like the priests, like just had them exist on an all corn diet, which like poisoned them eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which yeah I mean I think about it again it's like you're missionaries you're not farmers like yeah. there's how like what <laughs> we always oh, I throughout history people have been telling other people what to do with no proper background of knowledge they're taking they're taking the like metaphor of like spirit over flesh like way too literally yes <laughs> oh my god was their movie silence right is oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah yeah. piety is suffering and suffering is starvation and you know yeah theme of this (laughs) yep (laughs) always comes back to religion so I'm just clearly not pious enough that's that's my problem you know yeah I guess maybe that's true that is like when we see larger people like there is that mental connotation of like starvation is pious and mm-hmm. you like like what we just said and like when you see someone yeah. like you you have this whether you know it or not the subconscious association through religion through our culture through everything and it's so messed up well because also we're mm-hmm. supposed to be in his image right and like jesus and god are always jacked in all those paintings so if you don't look like <laughs> that then what in are life. you doing you know you don't have a six-pack like yeah <laughs> get thee to the gym <laughs> <laughs> getting ripped for god yeah. I'm sure someone is doing that, and I'm like, actually, wait. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen um, Righteous Jumps? Yeah. Yes. 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 
<laughs> in his image. Yeah. <laughs> I live right by a, a church that feels um very in the vein of righteous gemstones but like if um the son who does the workout stuff if he started a church it's like a very hip christian church and like everyone wears white and has like the you know sun hats and like the yeah the sun hats yeah. and stuff but also i could totally and they're also all like skinny and mm -hmm. beautiful and stuff and i could totally see that being it's there interesting like jay and i've been talking a lot about mormonism because we just watched under the banner of heaven um yeah. and i used to work at a company that had a i worked at a tech company as a chef um don't tell people <laughs> and we had a call center in utah so we would have folks come out you know to do trainings and they were always I feel like I don't, I know it's not specific to Mormonism, but it's like that focus on like appearance and like maintaining mm. yourself mm -hmm. physically being baked into the religion too is so wild. Like, I, I don't think I, I don't know, like in it, there's a scene in the show where he like has a couple French fries and it's like, he's being tempted to have mm -hmm. French fries from McDonald's. It's like, that is such an intense level of control that you've given yeah. up to this church where you're going to get a planet if you don't eat french fries like the connections of like <laughs> you don't get a planet <laughs> it it but the only way you can convince people to do that is by promising them yeah. the world and heaven and everything that's the only way people will do it yeah so yeah. which in itself is like i don't know get too much into that like, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's it's wild but it's also funny because I think about when I would go to church um we yeah we're bribed usually with food or yeah. you know we were the only times I like prayed outside of when I had to go to church was right before we ate so it was also like this like push and pull of like I'm being told I'm eating too much I don't look like whatever but then I'm also being bribed with food and like like there were so many things now I think about it where like my tension between like being motivated by wanting to eat and do and indulge in this thing but then mm -hmm. also being like told that I shouldn't have to, like shouldn't be doing it and I remember going with my aunt after church to like buffets or like there was always like we're sitting in church we have to be good we have to make it through this thing so we can go and like go nuts and overindulge on this thing afterwards and it's like that even now feels so hypocritical but i feel like it's such a tenant for a lot of people too of like why can't we, we wouldn't do most things moderation some, yeah we wouldn't do most things without some reward yeah yeah, mm. yeah sometimes we get donuts after church it's like yeah. a really big deal we never ever got them and it also was often like it could get taken away oh very easily depending on how you acted <laughs> in church the threat, the threat the threat and yeah you would do anything for those donuts <laughs> so, well, I was, service yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I remember distinctly feeling so left out from communion I was so mad that I couldn't eat the thing and I like I, this is I like fantasized what the host would taste like when I was little. <laughs> we were the same. Are you not baptized? No, no, I, 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 this was like up until I was nine. 
Okay. Okay. When I had first communion, but I felt super left out. And then I also had like really tempting thoughts about the wine. And I was like, Mm. and then when I made my first communion, I was like, am I going to get inebriated? But like my nine-year-old mind (laughs) didn't think inebriated. I just like, (laughs) you know, you're like, I'm going to get shwasted. (laughs) (laughs) I was like really psyched on the wine. And then I had some and I was like, that's fucking gross. (laughs) I was telling Mary this weekend, I'm not baptized, but I went to Catholic Mm. school because my parents, it was what, I don't know, whatever. But, um, but I, so I had to, I didn't get confirmed obviously. And I couldn't take first communion. I had to wait outside in the parking lot while they did first communion. So I could go to the party afterwards. So even then afterwards, like I still went to that school for like two or three more years. So every time we go to church, I would have that, I would sit and I would watch people go up and get that little wafer. And I'd be like, Oh my God, like, I bet that shit tastes so good. The body of Christ. I need it. And then I finally, I think I went to someone else's church and I went and I got communion. Oh, and I've done it a few times since. Then. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> now they um, do. And I did not live up to the hype. No. <laughs> um, fucking. Now you're going to hell. So I'm already <laughs> doomed. <laughs> There's like <laughs> some cool churches that would have like chunks of bread, yeah. and I was oh, like, actual yeah. snack, actual snack, and grape juice, the and they're like yeah right. like slicing up a baguette like <laughs> yeah. i think jesus would want his body to taste good jesus right? literally like he literally came to like abolish judaism and so he would not like yes. the unleavenedness yes he's like give me some yeast yes yeah <laughs> oh my god that's so true yeah he I would made love the it. loaves and the fish <laughs> you know yeah i would love it if like you could look inside of a tabernacle and it's like a sourdough starter <laughs> like that's what the priests are actually doing every thousand year old mother in the tabernacle <laughs> those would be really good proofing chambers actually then you're like onto something <laughs> what are the companies that are making the wafers like are like is there are they religiously associated like do they have priests it's probably someone like adjacent to a righteous gemstone style yeah. family I there's so. like the wafer barons <laughs> does yeah. it have to be blessed by a priest or something yeah. To, yeah. before it even goes to the church or yeah. when it gets to the church or i think oh, it, i don't know about that but i think it gets blessed before okay but then it, it, it also definitely me. blessed. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. consecrated. Yeah. yeah. To Absolutely. like become Jesus. It's some witchcraft. <laughs> Before it's just some plain old crackers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it, yeah. I guess no it like, cares. but again, I guess that would go back to the previous thing where it can't be too good. You can't enjoy it too much because then, yeah, then you would get tempted. Getting a little too close to the devil if you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. So. Gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hell for so many reasons. <laughs> Way too much of a glut. <laughs> I could never, I could never. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the cool churches did have the good bread. But then I also yeah. had to go to Sunday school when I went to those. And that was always weird. Mm. You're talking about like youth pastors and stuff, right? They like, yeah, they got the good bread, but the weird, the weird other stuff. Something's got to give. <laughs> yeah, can't have, you can't have it all. That's no. for sure. Unfortunately. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, the way that you take communion is like really crazy. Has any, have, Mary, have you been to an Eastern Orthodox? No. We had an uh, Eastern Orthodox mass at my high school, my Catholic high school one time. Um, 
in like a cross faith day or something. I don't know, some shit like that. Anyway, but like they have leavened bread and it's like a little cube. And the way that they deliver it, they pour, they put, they put the wine. So weird in a spoon. And then they put the bread on top of the spoon. And then you have to like, you have to like lean back. Like they have to put the spoon into your mouth, but like the spoon can't touch your mouth for sanitary reasons. Um, even though in Roman Catholic Church, everybody yeah, everyone's drink it from that same stuff, and then they just wipe it. Yeah, and they just look and like swipe. Um, Fine. <laughs> as though the saliva isn't also transferring to the towel. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. But so the spoon can't touch your mouth. So you and you have to like lean back. So you cross your arms over your heart, and then you have to like s- squat and lean back. So you're like you're like doing a vampire move, and um, like yeah, and they like the wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like someone's gonna choke yeah i was also terrified. not just wine with a piece of bread in it too yes what i was terrified that i was gonna like choke or gag when i went up to get communion did anyone like spill it oh some people yeah d- people definitely had like spittle <gasps> <laughs> and they would like try to wipe it away like without like really discreetly <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so <laughs> i had never heard of that before yeah <laughs> wow is it like good. i mean like how why like how do they come up with there's so many food traditions religious and not that are just like why like what yeah. <laughs> who came up with this and we still do it for thousands <laughs> of years like yep. yeah jay and i just kept coming back to with mormonism it's like some dude just wanted to have sex basically and now so many people's lives have been ruined like the foundations yeah. of that church really are like he just wanted her to run away with it like and then have more wives yeah, yeah. like him yeah. later but yeah but yes but really like it's yeah. so yeah. yeah it's infuriating when you think too much about it I get too angry and upset being like <laughs> how much of our lives today are affected by just dumb men in the past yeah. that have wanted to have sex or grab land yeah. or power or whatever and now we have to do these crazy traditions or our lives suffer because of it or we can't eat chips and be happy about it or whatever. yeah we can yeah <laughs> no chips yeah <laughs> yeah a spiral i still can't the other thing I that's out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> sorry like I'm gonna have to like go look this up. I know. Yeah, I'm like, I is that gonna be on YouTube? Say. Like, I'm oh, for sure. I'm sure someone took a video. Some parent probably was like, has lovingly put up a video of their child's communion, and we're just like, kids it. just like <laughs> trying to like not choke on their wine, like, yeah. pour it into their mouth. <laughs> it's like a baby bird situation. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Like, what a it's a weird vulnerable position to be in and just oh my god it's so weird and then a whole church watching you too yeah. Oh, yeah 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 and you know if you mess up they're gonna talk about it later which they they probably the ministers probably will but mm-hmm. I also think that there's like everybody well at least in my experience because this was a Roman Catholic high school everybody was so like focused on like doing it right that nobody was noticing what was going on around okay, that's them good like whether other people were like fucking up or not i would probably lean back to do it and then just die from panic (laughs) (laughs) and then faint (laughs) yeah just catch the spirit straight to the ground (laughs) like (laughs) 
<laughs> so good. Um, I also think it's funny that like people like around Easter mass and stuff, people will be, will have been fasting like for good Friday and, and Easter vigil and stuff. So that's why people like faint <laughs> in church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're overcome by hunger. That yeah. was also, God, I forgot about like Lent. I think I always gave up food, like some food. Yeah. Item. I don't mm-hmm. think I yeah. ever gave up anything else. I think most people do. Right. Yeah. I get always gave up chocolate. Yeah. I always gave up sweets. I, I, I guess don't think I was eating that much chocolate. You know, we just like didn't have a lot of sweets at our house. I, I was like, chocolate. I don't think I ever told my parents what I gave up because they didn't, my dad wasn't religious. So he was just like, whatever. And I would have to say it at school. But then I think as soon as I walked away, I was like, you won't let me have that one. I'm like, I want. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Oh, nothing. I just said she had a double life. Oh. <laughs> no more (laughs) Mm. yeah you never had to do anything like that though right me yeah no no I mean I had I had kind of a really unique upbringing where my parents um in the late 80s and yeah in the late 80s joined a cult and it was led by um, an Indian woman. So it was like a Hindu cult. Mm. So I was basically raised, I had the experience of like a, of an Indian child, like in what, like I was surrounded with and what I like kind of like culturally, some of the things too, that we had to do. Um, I did eat a lot of Indian food when I was younger, but no, we had a lot of our own like rituals of like um you know pujas that we would perform um there was nothing like lent where you had to give up something every year but there was a lot of like food associated with like getting like in the during a puja which is kind of like a like there's like an altar and and you're you have i don't even know how to describe it's just various rituals and songs that you perform to like the deity Mm -hmm. and this isn't even just like a cult thing this is just like a hindu thing that like all people all over india do but during it you would present all these dishes of food to the front to go at the altar so that's also something that and it's usually like all sweets and like really good stuff. So that's also something that in it's like, I would look forward to the end also, because then we would all pass out the sweets and all get our plate and share the sweets and eat it. And that would, and that was also something that you wouldn't get all the time, unless, you know, I went really out of my way to go buy or make those sweets, but I never did. It's kind of like almost, you know, how like you really look forward to Thanksgiving and you want the turkey and all that stuff when you could make it all year, but you don't. So you really look forward to this meal, but yeah, but it was also like, we were, I was staring at like the reward the whole time. And I was like, I can't wait to the end till we can have, but they, but you know, those were technically, those were like, um, presented to as like a gift, as like an offering Mm. because I would be wasting the food. Hmm. Was it, did, did you have to be vegetarian? No, but a lot of people were vegetarian. It was kind of like a mix of people from all over India. So there were some people okay. that were more vegetarian and some that weren't. There was there were always vegetarian options wow. for sure. Hmm. Was it communal eating most of the time? Yeah, most of the time, like ev- everyone who, you know, to be in the cult, you didn't have to live communally. Okay. There were centers and ashrams all across the world. 
And in half of my childhood, we had our own house. And then the rest of my childhood, we lived in an ashram, which was all communal. And it was like one person, one woman, every day of the week would be assigned to cook. Uh, and then uh, there was there was the main house and you would all go down and fill your plates and like eat. And you didn't, it wasn't like forced to sit. We all had to sit with each other and stuff, but it was like, you know, the big table and you could either like, you know, you could sit anywhere and eat, but it was like, the, this was like the big meal for dinner. And if you didn't want to have to cook dinner, there was dinner and nice. there would be house meetings where people would figure out like how much food to buy for the week and, you know, who would make it and all this stuff. Wow. Mm. I never had to do that because I was a kid for most of it. And then when I left, I was around 16. Mm. And that's also when we, we moved out and we got a house too, but yeah, I never had to do any of that, but I never really also felt like I had control over food and what I was eating, unless it was snacking and myself buying stuff for myself because Mm. food was predetermined most of the time. And then also, you know, you live with people that maybe aren't the best cooks, but you have to eat their food. (laughs) Yeah. That's fine. You're all in it together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I think that that's what, when it comes to like people who like know their way around a kitchen or whatever, like what makes them sexy is also like when it tastes good. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh yeah. Having to eat someone's bland food is really bad or it's unpleasant. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then (laughs) especially if they're like, I, I feel like my nightmare is I make something and I, I, someone has it and they have to pretend like it's good. Like mm. I, I don't have to have that happen, but it probably has happened. <laughs> That's just what I assume is happening every time I cook something. Oh my God. Jesse. Like they're all pretending. It's oh. not good. It's not good. <laughs> but would we want them to say it's not good? Maybe not. Yeah. Well, maybe similar <laughs> to like being canceled. Then I'd be like, I'm free. I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> You don't Someone finally did tell me it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would be upset. <laughs> but also free. But also yeah. free. So free. I mean, there like is a lot of <laughs> obligation. I feel like when you're maybe when you're good at something to keep doing it, you know, like because people get upset if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I feel like also my parents were really intense about um cooking and food and like love to entertain and all this kind of stuff but it's mm-hmm. always was something that was very um like intense <laughs> it yeah. wasn't like I feel like I now will watch like um movies with like uh people that are just like I just threw it together like I'm just making this thing and it's so easy and fun and beautiful and I'm like I've not I don't know how to to do that like I don't know how to have that experience with food either like just being chill you know (laughs) yeah I mean I I would imagine that you don't always want to cook when people want you to cook (laughs) no and I also don't always want to cook what they want me to cook I remember my when I was moving away um my parents were like, we should have like one last dinner before you go. And they're like, we'll make everything, but you should make dessert. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just make 
this thing then and they're like make whatever you want and I was like yeah I think I'm gonna make this I can't remember what I wanted to make but I do remember that they were like mm, you should make a souffle and I was like I don't want to make Whoa. a souffle like I wanted to just relax this <laughs> is my task. like going away dinner and they're like no souffles are so easy you should make a souffle you should make a souffle to the point where I was like okay you're saying I should make a souffle but I just I have to make a souffle yeah. you know like mm-hmm. I don't have a choice in this thing and now and now I'm stressed um, but I made the damn souffle and it was good but it was like oh, oh my god um, but yeah I think that's yeah the facade of choice with eating and yeah. cooking too is yeah. major <laughs> I think especially if you're good at it mm-hmm. yeah you get designated it's a curse no it's good but, um, <laughs> but it is like I it, it is harder to enjoy and just be able to relax on something when I know like what I can do versus what I want to do sometimes you know mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah feels like I... cheating <laughs> right you have like a responsibility or something something <laughs> yeah all the food yeah but I think I also am just crazy about what I want to eat or how I want to eat so it'll be like I also told Jay this, I will make something self like selfishly being like, I want to eat this. I'm going to make it. It's going to take me a lot of time, but I'm making it for someone else too. So I can like pass off the, like, I'm doing this for you, not just for Mm. myself, you know, like, and you have to enjoy it too, (laughs) or I'm going to feel bad, make you feel bad because I did all of this work. So it's also like, uh, like, borderline manipulation tactic in that way too of like instead of just being like I want to eat this so I'm going to make it there's like that layer of like guilt out and like projected onto someone else now but also maybe like yeah you can't enjoy it by yourself like you have to feel like someone else is getting enjoyment out of it you just can't do something purely for yourself yeah because if it was just me I wouldn't do it yeah that's Mm -hmm. true yeah, that's and that's and you should be able to do that. Like, if I want to cook this, then I'll cook it and eat it and enjoy it. I think at that point, I'm like, I'll just buy it. <laughs> I'll just have someone else make it for me. You know, yeah, that's also true. Because who am I doing it for at that point? I mean, for myself, which I should want to do nice things for myself, but I don't want to. <laughs> I guess then that gets to like the bigger question of like who cooking is for, really. And because if you really want something, then you're like, I'll just buy it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it just fluctuates with me, at least. I'm just like, okay, I really want like a good meal, but I definitely want someone else to make it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, is that like depending on the mood, that's what adds to the satisfaction? Is it like, yeah, that's true. It's like to lift a finger. Yeah. I'm getting to like, I've done this for myself by not doing it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I think about that scene. I think it's actually because we watched it recently, but during this, Season, I've been thinking about that scene in Bridesmaids where she makes yeah. that singular cupcake for <laughs> herself. <laughs> and it's like really ornate, like fondant, crazy flower topping, and then eats it. Um, and I was like, would I ever do that? And she's also very sad. Yeah. Back to the oh, original yeah. sad kids. She's like going sad over thing. the top to make this singular cupcake. I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I could. If you were that sad, you don't know if you could like do a whole. I don't know if I could stop at one. Oh, first of all. yeah. I think that's my thing. <laughs> but certainly not the decoration. It takes a lot of work to make one cupcake. 
I know. It, yeah. Seems more, yeah. it seems harder. It seems, it does seem harder unless she had some batter somewhere else. She just didn't bake off. Cause like, that's, there's certain things that you just can't make one of. Yeah, like I know. I was like, is it like a fourth of an egg? Like, what is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's maybe she substituted it, and so I don't know. But yeah, that is interesting. Kristen, tell us. <laughs> that's true. There's like a level of like a guilt associated with indulging when it. I don't know why. I don't know why it feels more selfish to put in the effort to make it for yourself instead of just buying it, right? Because like yeah. I have no yeah. problem going out and buying like some food thing for myself but then the idea of like laboring for hours over a meal just for mm. me feels not acceptable right that's what patina who i mentioned earlier i think what i was trying to say with her like her instagram and stuff is like and also what she reposts on twitter is like there'll be like a tiktok of someone being like my morning routine and then making themselves breakfast or like oh i like to work in this coffee shop and then there'll be someone commenting like why do you like, why do you, oh, this was it. Why do you sit at a bar and read? You can sit at home. And Medina was like, why do anything? Yeah. Why do any little nice treat for yeah. yourself? You yeah. can just sit in like a black box and stare. Like, why do anything then? <laughs> we do it to make ourselves feel good. I, we, I make this yeah. little breakfast for myself because it makes me happy. Yes, it would be easier and faster to buy pre-made oatmeal or do this or do that. But like, this makes me happy. It's something different. I need to like squeeze the joy out of yeah. life wherever you can and not feel bad about it. But I think we're really taught not to do that. Yeah, we like, are we're yeah. really taught yeah. not like societally and like religious, like all of it. It's like you it's really being selfish. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. You know, and I feel like that is so hard to get out of that mindset. Some of the like rituals I've like had to put into my life most of which I think are around food or like getting up in the morning are literally to not work when I don't need to be working like I have to have carved out like patterns in my day that I physically do so that I'm not like back on the job when I don't need to be Mm -hmm. which is really upsetting (laughs) (laughs) It's what I saw like <laughs> some tweet where it was like a lizard crawled out of the ocean and now I have to pay a parking <laughs> yeah. ticket. It's like, how did we get here? Like, how is this yeah. where we have arrived? Because I do that too. I'll like eat lunch at my desk and I'm like, right. why am I doing this? I'm not doing good work right now, anyways. Why don't yeah, I so- go and enjoy a meal like in somewhere else? But it feels like it feels like an indulgence to take that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's why people say like the only way you control your life is if you control your calendar. And like, that's like th- literally the only thing we have left now is time, our own time. And, <sighs> God. and most of it is not ours, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sad again. <laughs> and on no, that I was note. just telling my therapist the other week, I was like, one of my biggest problems and like I think what led to me getting like diagnosed with ADHD was that I just have like constantly I have like the executive dysfunction of just sitting around and not being able to get myself to do anything and then being like I'm wasting my life like sitting and like thinking about the minutes of my life that are slipping away because I'm not doing anything or not doing something of value or whatever and it's like 
So even that, even thinking about controlling your calendar, thinking about your time can lead to like its own kind of spiral yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh, I have this time. I have to do the best thing possible with it. And it's like that like toxic positivity sucks too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, well, and I think that there's like, also, it's just like, well, it's a value system thing too, where it's just like, you can, like, there can be like blocks of time where you do nothing. And that's like, that under the current value system that's considered unvaluable but to you it's just like yeah I just time to do nothing (laughs) to like like, demonized leisure time yeah 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 Yeah, and I think that 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 specifically has happened because of like a lot of like toxic self-care as as you just said like it's it's just like um leisure time gets demonized because you're supposed to think that you're like you need to do a face mask or like you need to like put your feet in an Epsom salt bath or something like the grind set or whatever (laughs) in care routines taking like an hour before bed yeah 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 and that's like that is just eating into your free time of like and then you have to do something yeah now I'm going to use that is as even more of an excuse to not do my skincare routine because I already have a hard time maintaining that so (laughs) that's like my one little treat to myself is my nighttime skin routine but it's also like 10 minutes I don't think I could do anything more than that yeah no way yeah no no nothing more too tired yeah just like go to bed (laughs) I'm I'm much more of a morning person and I really have like a I love my morning routine but when but at night no no I can't yeah Um, I wish I could be happy about food and about life in general (laughs) I think that's my like ultimate goal yeah yeah um you know uh something that I wanted to bring up about like another one of these like spirals of like how did we get here this is also like a quick a quick little story but like I was thinking I I I used to be a ballet dancer and um and of course the so like of course my relationship like implied in that statement is I have a shitty relationship <laughs> to food, but <laughs> um but like people and you know and a lot of like the really trendy thing now in the last like like eight or ten years the really trendy thing is like for ballet dancers to like share like oh I carbo load all the time because like because it is true like when you're especially when you're doing shows like I mean you're a professional athlete so you have to be eating all the time and and it does eventually like burn off whatever however ballet didn't used to be so athletic um it was only athletic up until like the early 20th century so like you weren't really burning off the food that you're eating and, and like high caloric intake, like wasn't metabolizing. And so, and so, but like ballerinas have been thin since prior to then ballerinas have been thin though, up to like the 19th century and, um, or, or, or starting in the 19th century, they didn't, dancers didn't used to have to be thin or whatever. The whole like concept of it comes from the fact that like ballerinas were like one step higher than sex workers in France in the 19th century. It, they were, it was the only way to be a legalized sex worker. I mean, you had patrons who were like paying for you to be on stage and to like specifically be on stage, like almost naked, like in a tutu kind of thing. And so you were like in poverty, like you could not afford food. Like ballerinas, mm-hmm. like the whole like thing about like starving yourself comes from the fact that ballerinas were like basically sex workers living in poverty. And then, and so then it like, meta- but then you, you have this image And like, then you have people thinking that they need to starve themselves in order to be ballet dancers. And so like now the whole narrative has to be like, 
no, but we we're athletes. Like we're, we have to carbo load, like, and, and, the, and mm. we eat all this stuff and it just like burns away immediately because we're like doing intense, incredibly intense work. So yeah, it's totally fucked up. And like people, I don't think that people consider that well, they definitely don't consider that. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's I had no idea insane. about that with ballerinas. Yeah, I, I always have thought ballerinas were like, you know, I mean, I knew about them with like from the Nutcracker and like yeah. being in like the courts dancing. I would have no idea that it was, that that was the history of it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wild. Hemlines got, got raised slowly over the course of a hundred years into tutus because of like patrons wanting to see their bare legs. Wow. That's so interesting. And so, and, and yeah, and then it just like becomes codified. This image of like the thin wayfish girl becomes yeah. codified and it becomes part of the aesthetic of the ballet, but it's because they were starving. So God, yeah. I feel like the history of almost everything would be like, Oh, what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we do that. It's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny too because I think about even like the the athlete's diet and like the glorification of like that too of someone being able to eat that way because they're pushing mm-hmm. themselves so hard I remember having like yeah. a weird obsession with Michael Phelps um in probably like 2008 which mm, no looking back no but um <laughs> but I remember watching like interviews and videos of him like going out to have lunch after doing a training and he would have to eat like 2400 calories for lunch he would have like a family style like huge round table at a Chinese restaurant and we eat all of it and I remember being like I love that and I love him and it's like is it because I wanted to be able to watch him indulge and like do something that I wanted to be able to do or like it was exciting that he could eat some I don't know still but I think about that still sometimes of like being like wow this guy can eat so much food. Competency boner. He's yeah, he can eat. <laughs> but it was also like he could eat, but then his body, like he was like a peak, like physical yeah. form, right? So I think it was like he could have it all from like that, from the distance of like watching him do that, not thinking about obviously how hard he was training and what he was actually doing to his body mm-hmm. doing that because it's not healthy, but like. That's um, yeah. thing. Yeah. Hmm. It was a thing for me, at least. <laughs> I don't know about other people. <laughs> I, I mean, the whole Michael Phelps, I distinctly remember just like the obsession with his body in general. Yeah. And like seeing diagrams that was like, his hands are the size of dinner plates and like, <laughs> like are the equivalent of like modern day freak show kind of like, you know, yes, it totally is. It totally yeah. is. It's yeah, it's the spectacle. But I like never leaves us. Wanted that. <laughs> I think it's like design. I think I think it's in our design. Yeah, and people just capitalize on it. Yeah. Also, I mean, mukbang. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a similar thing. <laughs> Do you like that? Do you guys like like no. watching people? Yeah, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. It's, I think it must be similar to like ASMR, like people just get into it and then they like, you know, like it's like comforting or, you know, like to watch. I do sometimes like those, like what I eat in a day videos. Oh yeah. I like that. Those are great. But are they eating in them? Are you just seeing the food? No, not usually. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, seeing the food. I also don't like the trend of like people I can't do it because I don't have any but like the everything is like oh, and like the yeah. sounds are so loud and they're like scraping a knife on something to be like look at how crispy yeah. it is it's like I don't want to hear I don't want I don't like that <laughs> No, like thanks. I'll see a food that looks good, but then they like take this huge bite and the crunching, I don't think, I feel like it can't be real. Like the amount of crunch they're getting is like, no, that has to be like a laid over sound. But like that, yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure obviously it appeals to some people, but it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, that no, is pretty I, freaky. It does not appeal to me. I do really like though, like um, a POV <laughs> of like, being like looking at food or like watching people cooking like I got really into this channel on YouTube where it's a guy you don't ever really see his face but he would go to like um I first found it because he would go to like street vendors out in like Singapore and in um Japan and like show them like making everything and then the finished product and then he would like bring it to your mouth like bring it to his mouth Mm. like to the camera so it was like felt like I was getting to watch and then eat all of this food (laughs) (laughs) I do like that I do like that (laughs) yeah a lot of TikTok chefs like they take like a big bite at the end and people love it. It's like super satisfying. That's so mm. funny. I don't ever want to watch. I don't want someone to ever look at me. Eat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we won't do an eating show. Yeah. <laughs> That's confirmed though. I mean, compound butter, food, media, empire, those be Maybe videos of Jay and I. <laughs> You're just gonna have to like record them with like an ASMR mic, and then just just record a set of like chewing, and then you can overlay. We just need to it. hire Zoe Kravitz to do ASMR on a beer bottle, and I think that would just really take us to the next level. <laughs> if we had just tapped into all of the things that could have blown up our magazine, it would be so cringe. Just so many awful <laughs> trends. That we, I don't know. We could just lean into it though and be like ironically cringe, right? Yeah, mm. yeah that's but, true. A lot of brands are doing that though. Yeah. But then I think we would, <laughs> it would become the thing where eventually we wouldn't be being ironic anymore. No, just cringe. The, yeah. yeah, you either die a hero or live <laughs> to see yourself become cringy. <laughs> I did tell, I was trying to like as a joke, dab the other day for something and when I did it my like shoulder popped like so loud that Eric heard it and he was like oh, did you just like hurt yourself dabbing it's like that that's what happened if compound butter tried to be cool <laughs> we just immediately <laughs> destroy our brand <laughs> well you already are cool Oh yeah, we're fishing for that. I believe mm-hmm. you. <laughs> you have beautiful, you have beautiful covers. Thank you. Yeah. The design is like really, really, it's really stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe this is a good place to sort of wrap up, but you guys have a new issue coming out soon. Yes. Yeah. Um, it should be out probably beginning of July, if all goes well with the printer and everything. We never know, like now in COVID times, printing is always up in the air. Supply chain. Supply chain. 
but hopefully, yes, in early July, I believe it will be out. And we're really excited about it. The cover is um, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's haven't revealed escape. it yet, but yeah. Issue? Is that what it's called? Escape? Yeah, oh, the nice. escape issue. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's actually a really fun issue. Sometimes our <laughs> issues can be a... Um, sad for lack of a better word <laughs> which may appeal to a lot of your users but or listeners but um but yeah this one actually is pretty pretty fun and lighthearted, which is sometimes a rarity for us so that's nice it's been a nice escape for ourselves too Ooh, Ooh, nice. Ooh. can tell you're in publication promo copy uh <laughs> escape with the escape issue it's done it's perfect (laughs) Um, it'll be a fun one and people can find your magazine on the internet at compound-butter.com yes Mm -hmm. we had to go with the dash because someone else has owned compoundbutter.com for like 20 years and it's just like an angel fire page about compound butter like the actual butter <laughs> so. well i would we have a couple stores around la that carry us too if you go to our website we list them and um some places in seattle too that carry us we have a very um, small list but we're also on instagram at compound butter mag mm-hmm. yeah go follow them and get pre-order the new copy and get the old copy <laughs> yeah we have a lot of we still have the our club issue which is the issue that uh previous issue and we have some of the comfort issue left too so nice. once things sell out we don't really do a new run mm. a lot of times so yeah. special kind of limited edition yeah that that <laughs> kind of thing. stuff only appreciates in value so yeah someday someone will be in a divorce court dividing up their copies <laughs> of compound better yeah <laughs> yes that could be you that's a Listener. great vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for having us. Oh yeah, my God. Thank so you nice so much for coming to on. To be sad thank with you, you girls. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we gave you lots of good content. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be using it on Instagram. Heck yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jacked for Jesus TM owned by Compound Butter Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Jacked for Jesus. I feel like someone oh. already has to have that. I'm sure there's I'm sure. Some, like Etsy products with like camo oh, jacked for Jesus hats and stuff. We'll oh, Google that after along with the um, communion uh, YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's God. what I'm watching tonight. You're right. <laughs> I'm so intrigued. I wonder if there's like a super cut of all everybody's different a types of communion. <laughs> People falling over. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna it's gagging. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jay and Jesse. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much, much for having us. It was super fun. Did you know um, there's a place on the internet where you can get exclusive access to Sad Girl Syllabus News? You can join our Sad Girls Club by signing up for our newsletter at sadgirlsyllabus.com. And with the newsletter, you'll see updates on new episodes, um, announcements on content and stuff uh extra insights links reading lists resources um that don't make it into the podcast episodes and when you sign up you get a little gift from us it's a reading list um a true a, a sad girl syllabus actual syllabus <laughs> sad girls 101 and if you want to support the podcast you can head over to patreon.com slash sad syllabus 
And for five bucks a month, you can watch all of our director's cut video episodes uh, and get bonus episodes uh, when they come out. Uh, If you like what you hear, also please think about rating the pod on Apple Podcasts, sharing this podcast with your friends. It's really the best way to support us is to help spread the word. Uh, So subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at sadgirlsyllabus. Thank you.